Avi on Money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Welcome back to 101.9 Chai FM. It's 25 minutes to 1. Thank you so much for joining us. Those of us who are thinking of going down to Cape Town this December are faced with one ongoing dilemma. What are we going to do about the water crisis? And I heard it on a, on multiple radio stations yesterday. I was in the car for a long time. And the discussion was happening on, on, on different fora. And I just kept thinking, what difference does it make to you if you're going down to Cape Town, if there's a water crisis? Be sensitive, shower very quickly, maybe shower less frequently, um, you know, and uh, just be careful with, very careful with your water consumption. But by you not going down to Cape Town, all you're doing is ensuring that those people who might have been, been employed over that period are certainly not going to be employed over that period. From the guy who's putting the petrol in your car through the Karoo, the guy in the garage in Cape Town, the waiter or waitress in the restaurant, the, the, the casual worker, or the surf shop who might retrench people simply because they're not getting local business this year and the international quota isn't enough to keep all their staff. I'm not quite sure I see that as a problem. We need to go down to Cape Town and be sensitive and be very careful, but by not going, I think the overall economic damage would be far greater than by you staying home because you're worried about a water problem on that side. But there's no one better to talk about water things than Nick Tandy. Nick, welcome back to Chai FM. Thanks very much, Avi. It's great to be back. Thank you for having me. Great. I would love to have you in studio again, but um, I'm happy to have you on the phone. Nick, I know that wasn't the uh, the topic of, of of what we were going to be discussing, but uh, just to get your opinion on it, how bad a crisis is there in Cape Town? Is it going to linger indefinitely? What do you feel? Should people go? Should people not go? Um. I think what we're faced in Cape Town, uh, to some extent, uh, represents, um, you know, the challenge that we have to manage uh, in a few other places going forward, uh-huh. um, which is that our traditional sources of water supply are not sufficient or resilient enough for uh, the new uh, weather patterns uh, or the predicted variability that we have in uh, in rainfall uh, as a source of our water supply into dams, etc. But also um, a new normal where we have to uh, use less water. And um, I think, um, you know, commonly sort of uh, touted statistic is, um, you know, the amount of water that we use in, in South Africa per person, which is uh, 235 liters per person per day. Uh, whereas the world average is 173 liters per person per day. And then, by the way, it sounds like a lot, but it's, it's everything from drinking to flushing uh, to, to everything else that, right. we, that we use water for. And, and so that side of things, well, that, that managing that demand is going to have to respond to the amount of water that we actually have. So, so the, 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 the gross picture, if you like, of what's happening in Cape Town uh, I think is is a theatre that we have to understand because it has implications. I think for for the rest of the country. I mean, there are other places as well uh, up in the north where, um, in fact, you you have a similar challenge. And and and, and you may know that in in Polokwane, for example, they um, 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 
quite regularly in the past couple of years have put a moratorium on um, on new uh, property developments and industrial developments because water. So, so um, that's that's my um, view of, of of Cape Town. But um, I think we should. My personal opinion is I think we should go to, to, to Cape Town. I don't think we should manage water scarcity by uh, scaling down on um, on growth, but rather adjusting uh, that growth. To be um, to be quite sensitive um, to uh, to the water scarcity of that region. Um, Nick, thank you for that. Let, let's get into the meat of the issue. The the bottom line is a thirty billion rand annual water infrastructure gap in South Africa. In other words, yeah. our infrastructure is old. It's ailing. We need new infrastructure. We've got new development coming in. We've got this massive gap. Talk us through. I mean, 30 billion rand annually is a lot of money. Let's put all the corruption jokes aside. Let's put all the voodoo economics aside about if we didn't have blue light brigades, then we could have 30 billion is a hell of a lot of money. Yes, indeed it is. So, 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 um, at the, um, municipal water infrastructure, um, um, you know, event, the annual water stewardship event we had on the 12th of October. This was precisely what we needed to talk about. And, and, um, so I'll just throw, throw, throw some, um, uh, some numbers to the listeners, uh, that were presented, uh, including by the department itself. Uh, these are first order estimations, um, but they are in the order of magnitude of what we actually need. So, okay. number one, I think that the first thing is we're dealing with, uh, um, um, <clears throat> an asset base. That is a total replacement cost right now of um, 1.3 uh, trillion rand. So it's really a massive asset base that we currently have as a massive asset base that needs to be maintained, uh, refurbished, and in addition to that, there's new builds. So, so the, the key figures here to think about are that just under 900 billion um, is required in the next 10 years. You know, so that would be 90 billion uh, per annum. Wow. Uh, more or less, which is split between um, mostly uh, new build, about 381 billion, and rehabilitation, similarly, about 385 billion, and upgrades of 133 billion. So, so this number comes out of not only the new requirements for us to meet our water needs, um, but also what perhaps we've we've started to admit as a sector has been a gradual uh, under-provision financially for uh, operation and maintenance of our infrastructure and also uh, much-needed upgrades over time. Um, and given you know, our growth trajectory, um, especially urban water needs and especially industrial water needs, that's what we need. Um, those, those numbers are just what it is, and we have to find a way to source that money, given that um, the government only can provide, um, you know, out of that a total amount of uh, $900 billion, um, the total of government funding and sort of local revenue from municipalities, that accounts for about um, $56, 57000000000 of the required 90 and we have a 37% shortfall. So that money's got to come from somewhere. 
And that's what we needed to discuss uh, a couple of weeks ago. So what I was very surprised to see is that we have international support. I mean, I would never have dreamt that the, you know, the Danish ambassador would have, you know, sort of committed um, the Denmark, the, the government of Denmark to assisting South Africa. Why Denmark of all places? But I, I think, you know, there's a couple of reasons uh, uh, for that. Um, and uh, hopefully at some point we can get both, um, you know, our government and the Danish to respond. But I think, um, as I understand it, first of all, uh, there are some countries such as Denmark with which uh, South Africa has a strong history of, of cooperation. So you, you already have, I think, a starting point there uh, for or moving forward as a minimum for lesson sharing, right? Um, unlike us, uh, Denmark, um, you know, all of its water supplies is, is from groundwater. But they have a system that uh, pretty much works, uh, where they've been able to solve this financing problem in one way or the other. So um, it's not only Denmark. Uh, I know that the Department of Water and Sanitation also has cooperation programs with other countries. But Denmark has been quite prominent in, uh, in trying to share lessons um, around, um, you know, especially uh, there's an implication to this funding gap that government cannot provide, which is that um, by implication, it's going to have to come from, um, from um, private finance. Um, but he's saying that we're quite careful to say, how do you do that carefully and responsibly in a way that protects uh, the public, that protects uh, the public purse as well. And, and, um, Denmark came to the fore to share some of its own lessons, uh, around how the private sector, especially involved in water management and in water financing, uh, in their country where, you know, for every investment that is made in water assets, they achieve full cost recovery. So, um, that's where that connection has come about. Okay. Um, we're really out of time. So, you know, really what I want to ask you is, do you feel that this gap is closable? Do we have a solution at hand? And, are, you know, over time, are we going to be able to maintain the infrastructure, create um, new, um, or create for, not create, but um, have an ability to bring new funds in for new build and ultimately make sure that we have a continuous reticulation system that supplies potable water to the country? Indeed. So, so I think it's closable, um, and, and certainly, and there are various sort of models for how that financing could come about. Uh, on paper, these are, this, are, this is not completely new stuff, but we've seen it happen, being done in South Africa, we've seen it done elsewhere. It's the implications that we need to, uh, to tease out, and also the process for how do you make the first steps. So if we start off with, um, you know, what are the structural issues that have led to this, that lead to this gap, uh, or that make it a little challenging to address? So there is um, issues of efficiency, number one. So if you make an investment in assets, the extent to which you efficiently, number one, make use of available finance and efficiently operate those assets, that's a big issue. You know, and, and one indicator of that is that we have water losses in South Africa that is a value of um, arguably over 6 billion rand a year for municipal water systems, right? The second issue is um, there is a real issue around do we pay enough and do we pay for our water services? 
I think the, the, the one is, uh, in my opinion, a little easier to, to answer. Do we pay enough? Um, I think that for uh, the productive use of water, where water actually generates uh, goods and services that, uh, that themselves uh, have revenue, I, I'm certainly convinced that we perhaps need to relook our tariff systems. Do we pay? Uh, that's certainly a challenge. Uh, we know that uh, non-payment for water services is certainly a challenge. But we also do know that in uh, in Etiquini, in, in Cape Town, they have trialed very interesting social experiments, if you like, where they have said to consumers, right, if you have this long-standing bill, we're going to give you uh, a once-off debt cancellation. You know, think of the, the way that, you know, you know your, your collective revenue operates when they say to you, we don't care about, you know, uh, your non-payment of taxes in the past. Come to us and work something out. So similar thing, social experiment. One of debt cancellation, but as part of that, we put you in a program because it's, 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 otherwise it can be a standoff where this continues for um, forever. So uh, non-payment of services, uh, there's, there's some requirement to change that aspect of things. And then, um, and then also just how the finances are governed uh, in municipal systems around um, around the, the finance coming in despite source, how that's managed, uh, especially at municipal level, is, is something um, in many cases with capacitation that requires some improvement. We already have Avi. I think this is the critical case I want to make. Uh, places where you've got pockets of excellence and pockets of huge challenges. The point we're making here is with a programmatic approach, we can transition uh, especially for municipalities, those that are in dire sort of uh, um, 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 straight, uh, closer to those that have excellent. The real challenge, if you ask me, where we probably need a very separate program is that there are some municipalities, municipal entities that just don't have, you know, water is just one part of it, a sustainable revenue base. And, and that's a separate discussion altogether. I can so imagine you, for those, you, you can't, excuse the pun, you can't squeeze the water out of a rock. You, you, you cannot, you cannot. And, and one of the, the, the one of the suggestions coming out of, um, um, our, the, the, the event we had, um, uh, together, of course, as you mentioned with the DHMC, but also with the National Business Initiative, was, um, was that there were some ideas coming out. So, one, some more disruptive than the other. So I'll start with the less disruptive one. Um, I tell you, Tanya, Nick, sorry about that. Um, we're just really out of time, and I'm just, I just feel we need a full discussion with us. I know that we only had a half an hour, um, yeah. but I'd really like to slap another time for you to come in, and maybe before, again before the end of the year. But I think it's important that when we go away, um, you know, with the irrigation in our garden, or we're going down to Cape Town, that we're more aware of the realities of the story. So if you don't mind, we, I'm going to stop the interview now and uh, we'll bring you into studio again if you don't mind and we'll have a more robust discussion that'll be great Avi I appreciate that and thanks for having us Great, fantastic, thank you. That was Nick Tandy, yes, Program Manager, Strategic Water Partners Network. Um, we have had, well, I have had Nick in the studio before, a fascinating guy with a great journey that he's been on, but I'd really like to get him in to discuss the matter and really flesh it out a little bit more.